All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. My name is Nathan Hollerts. I am your host, and I'm excited to have you here today. I want to give a shout out to everybody who is live streaming with us on youtube.com slash Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H Podcast, and then facebook.com slash Boca Podcast. Please don't be shy. Join the conversation today. I've got really interesting guests with a really interesting topic today, and I would love for you all to be part of the conversation. So join in, ask questions, comment. You can send us funny emojis if you want to, uh, but be part of the conversation. would really love for you to do that. And then for those of you that are listening to the audio version of this after the fact, make sure to follow us on Instagram.com slash Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H Podcast, and, and do keep up to date with the upcoming live streams. We usually push out one or two a week and we'd love for you to be part of this conversation moving forward. All right, I want to introduce our brand new guest for today. I've got Willow and Cameron Vote here with me. Guys, thank you so much for coming to do the show with me. Of course, we're happy to be here. Well, and, and you know, we were chatting for just a little bit before we got started, as I normally do with my guests. And um, fortunately, we didn't have any technical issues we had to overcome. So a little bit of small talk, but I told you all that I like to have the opportunity for those guests that I have and that I don't know to get to know you along with our listeners, with our viewers. And so maybe we can do, I guess, just the basics to get started. I would love for you to introduce your brand. And we talk a lot about brand position here on the show. Talk to us about your business's brand position as a way to introduce yourselves to our listeners, if you will. Yeah, wonderful. So yeah, my name's Cameron, my wife Willow here. And so Refined Elevation exists to help creative business owners align their personal presentation with their desired brand perception. So, I mean, business owners obviously put all the effort and time into um, all the things you think about when creating a business like workflows and emails and websites and social accounts and everything. Um, But sometimes your personal presentation can kind of fall on the back burner because you're so focused on the rest of the business. You just don't have time to do those sorts of things. And so that's the part that we focus on. Okay. So I'm going to give a little bit more context to our listeners. So I'm going to pull up your website here. And um, for anybody listening in, if you will go to just simply like it sounds refinedelevation.com, the brand position statement that we see there at the top of the page above the fold, a lot like we talk about here on the show, style for entrepreneurs. And the subtext says, who know that what you wear is an extension of your brand. And I, I told you guys that before we got started, actually, when when you reached out and said, hey, can, let's do this, the, the podcast together. I was a little bit, I, I don't know, I was a little bit apprehensive. I'm like, really, is this really a thing? And so I, I went to your website <laughs> And I'm scrolling through and I'm looking through and I'm like, this is actually a really interesting brand position, first of all, but then also business idea. And you all present yourselves and the brand and the value proposition so beautifully. And I have to read this text. I pulled this quote from your website. I think it's on your about page. And it says, all that to say, we are always thinking of new ways to help you tell your brand story more effectively through the clothes that you wear. And it might not be your first thought when it comes to your brand messaging, but we know that your clients are making subconscious judgments based on it. And it's probably what Will and I will be talking about as we are brushing our teeth at night, uh, which is <laughs> a cute little picture. I mean, you guys are married, so a little bit more yes. context for our listeners as well. So you do life together, you do business together, and... Um, this is, I, I'd love to maybe just get a little bit of the backstory on how you all even came up with this idea for, for a business. Yeah. I think Cam, you can take that. Okay. So style's kind of been my 
thing since I was like five years old. That was what I was always interested in, what I spent my time and my money on. Um, but for some reason, never thought of it as a career option. And kind of the light bulb moment was I was halfway through law school and I had this thing where every Sunday night I would set out my five days worth of outfits for the rest of the school week. Okay. And I realized that I was having a lot more fun setting out my outfits for that hour every Sunday than I was actually in law school. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to be a lawyer. And so two years into law school, I dropped out and we moved back to California where we both grew up, where all our family was with not really a whole lot of a plan. Um, but then Willow's much more of the entrepreneurial one out of the two of us. And so she was like, well, what do you like enough that you could start a business out of? And I was like, oh, it's always been style for me. And so uh, Willow was kind enough to basically take care of all of the back-end administrative business side of what we do so that I could focus more on the styling side of what we do. Okay, so first of all, the idea, I, this is a very foreign concept to me, the idea of laying out clothes for multiple days in advance. And, and you'll probably notice this about me already, but I, I do have a common outfit that I wear, which is a V-neck black t-shirt. Um, and I've done this it for works. years, right? So it's super straightforward, super simple. But I do remember, I, like I'm thinking back to the day when I was shooting weddings and I, I photographed weddings for about 10 mm -hmm. years or so. And certainly I thought about presentation when it came to going to a wedding and I'm interacting with guests, most of whom are pretty well dressed up, right? And right. the last thing that you want to do is stand out. You don't want to be a spectacle as the photographer, but you right. certainly want to, um, it, I don't know, there's this kind of interesting challenge, which is present yourself really well, present your brand really well, but also be comfortable enough to, to photograph a wedding for 8, 10, 12, 14 hours in some cases. Exactly. And one of the things that I've noticed has happened in the industry over the last few years, I don't know if you all have noticed this as well, but there's there's been this trend toward comfort like an emphasis on comfort and away from style and presentation and some sense of pride in the brand <laughs> and how you're representing your brand and honestly it's a, it's a bit cringy it's gotten a bit cringy in the way that photographers are showing up to a shoot in shorts or you know just slacks and a t-shirt or something just very very casual and there's just yeah. no pride there why do you think there is that shift in that direction and, and less of an emphasis on the presentation I mean, we suffered from that too. I mean, we photographed weddings and those days are long. I mean, you're shooting eight plus hours consecutively. You know, if you're in a place where summer weddings are a thing, it's hot, it's uncomfortable, you're sweating a ton, you know, you're sacrificing your body to get these shots for yeah. this couple. And yeah. yeah. And so it's totally a thing. I mean, when we were shooting him, it was like, yeah, I want cotton to like absorb the sweat. I want all the stuff. And but I mean, we would do it. We'd be like, well, I mean, it has to be all black, at least like dress it up a little bit. And like you said, you don't want to stand out with the guests there. And so, you know, we just suffer through putting band-aids on our blisters and, you know, <laughs> dress it up a little bit because we have been to weddings where, you know, the guests are all dressed up really nice. And then you see the photographer and obviously they're working and they need to prioritize comfort so they can do their job well. Sure. But, um, you know, they stand out, especially if it's like, two photographers and if one of them's a guy and he's wearing jeans all of a sudden you know you just it catches your eye and it's i don't think guests make a negative assumption necessarily we notice it probably more than the average person because this is Definitely, what we do yeah. um <laughs> but that's not like you know there's a little subconscious thought there, like oh well this is like a celebration day and everyone's dressed up and like it just kind of makes you pause and 
and notice it a little bit. And our whole thing is we never want anyone to pause or have that negative cognitive disconnect mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. you and your business when really they should they should be seeing like, oh, wow, they're getting everything. They're doing a great job and they're capturing this beautiful day and they're being so subtle. And I didn't even notice they were here. That's really what you want people to walk away with. Well, I think there's something too to be said for, I mean, if a photographer is charging a premium for mm-hmm. their services, Again, it seems, and I'm, and I'm at the stage of my life where I'm like in between young and old, I guess, and and, and kind of <laughs> questioning some of those things a little bit, but I, I can't help but feel like maybe I'm the old guy in the room when I say there's something to be said for presentation. And right. there, and again, a bit of pride is the word that comes to mind because I think about the way that I'm presenting myself and how I'm representing my company and all that I've worked so hard for. And then I just throw a t-shirt and a pair of jeans on or some shorts and a button down and that's what I'm doing to represent this brand for which, by the way, I'm charging, you know, five to $10,000 for my services, exactly. this, this premium. I don't know. It just seems like there's a major disconnect there. And photographers in many ways have, have gotten to a place where whether it's, you know, the meals that they feel like they deserve, they should be given on the wedding day to how they're able to dress. It becomes more about the photographer and less about the client. And mm-hmm. the, the experience that you're providing for that client, uh, it, it's a much broader conversation, I realize, but I just wonder, I've just noticed this major shift in the industry. So um, I, I like that we're having this conversation because I think there's a really interesting opportunity to encourage photographers to make a shift maybe in the other direction again, not necessarily going to one extreme or another, but think about a little bit of pride in the representation of their brand and how they present themselves. And then also, and I know we're going to get into this, thinking about the the ideal client or the target client who they want to mm-hmm. reach and how they should dress to ultimately reach that client or to be more relatable to that client. So anyway, this is a very interesting conversation and I'm really excited that you guys are here. And I just want to dive into some questions. Maybe we can start, first of all, with the difference between a brand stylist, where you think about styling ourselves for the sake of representing our brand and a personal stylist. Is there a difference there? And if so, what is that? Yeah. So I, would say that's probably our most common question is that people will ask us like, oh, so you're like stitch fix, right? Like you just tell me what to wear. Um, And our whole thing when we started this was that we wanted to be focused on business owners, on how they're presenting their brand, on how they're presenting their business and less on, you know, what you wear just because you like it. So that's how we would kind of define a personal stylist as someone who's going to come in and and go through your closet with you, your clothes, and say, you know, like, what do you like to wear? What colors? What patterns? And and it's more about you. It's focused on you and what you your preferences are. Whereas okay. a brand stylist, yes. No, no, please go ahead. Okay. Whereas a brand stylist, we would say, is someone who's coming in and saying, okay, yes, we want to take in consideration what you like a little bit, but we're also going to focus a lot on your ideal client and what who you want to attract and let's make sure that you're wearing the clothes and that you're presenting yourself in a way that's going to attract that person. Because at the end of the day, that's, you know, the driving factor of your business and it matters a little bit. Yes. Like, are you comfortable? You know, how you present yourself, you need to feel comfortable in the clothes that you're wearing, but more so in, am I going to look like the person that my ideal client would choose to solve their problem? So I I guess the, the simple question maybe to, to, really get this conversation going is what is the actual value or, or not even that that's not even the best way to ask it really does the way that I dress 
help me build my business, right? Is it actually going to help my business grow that I dress a particular way? Again, there's been this kind of massive shift in the emphasis on comfort and mm -hmm. less of the thought process going into how can I present my brand really, really well. But I, I also wonder too, like in, in our, I, I live in the South, by the way, so I'm, I'm in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and this is a somewhat traditional marketplace, right? But I even think about like back in the days when I would go to church and the traditional way to dress when you went to church, you, you would dress up, yeah. you put a suit and tie on that kind of thing. And that is largely shifted even at church in this, this setting that was tip, traditionally formal, has yeah. shifted to a much more kind of laid back, relaxed, casual atmosphere as far as the way that people dress. So maybe just culturally speaking, we've, we're putting less emphasis on that. So at the end of the day, maybe a lot of photographers assuming it doesn't really matter. Like I can charge the premium. I, I provide a good service. I provide beautiful pictures. And that's really what matters. Why do I need to go spend a premium, um, not only buying really great clothes, but also hiring somebody to tell me how I should dress? Like, is it actually exactly. going to help my business grow? I would love for you to comment on that. Yeah, no, that's a fabulous question. And I think post COVID world, the world we're in that you're spot on that that's exactly where the industry is, not just photographers, but a lot of different industries are dealing with that same question. Um, and everyone got really used to working at home and not really seeing people for days on end and that sort of a thing. Um, but that creates this um, opportunity, we think, for business owners to use their personal presentation as a way to stand out from a very crowded marketplace. Because if you're in the photography industry, there are probably a couple other photographers who are just as skillful as you. And it comes down to how you connect with your client and how your client trusts you and all these other kind of intangible things. Um, and so your personal presentation becomes one of those almost like tie-breaking factors within a pretty saturated industry. Yeah, that's okay. So you talk about COVID and of course our existence has, I mean, it was already very much an online existence as business owners, right? <laughs> but it even more so shifted in that direction over the last two or three years. I guess there's this interesting opportunity when we finally do have the opportunity to be in person with that potential client or a client um, and then their friends and family. And we have this opportunity to make an impact. If we're actually putting some intention behind the presentation at that point, there's even more of an opportunity. I keep using that word opportunity, but the opportunity to make a more drastic impact um, as a brand. Can you talk a little bit about that? What, what does that actually look like? How does it affect the psychology of the people that are in front of you? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a significant thing. And like you mentioned earlier, I think a lot of people have just gotten into the argument of like, oh, it doesn't really matter. But we know from psychology, the way our brains work as humans is we're making these subconscious snap judgments all the time about the world around us just as a way to process the insane amount of information that's presented to us at all times. Mm -hmm. And we're making out people as well as the things. So for people, if you see someone, you make a snap judgment subconsciously, you can't even control it in less than a second about them based solely on their appearance and that judgment can go into their character and their abilities so if someone's really well dressed and they look very put together you subconsciously assume like oh they're probably really good at their job and they're probably nice and you know maybe we'd be friends whereas if someone's you know in a t-shirt that has holes in it and you know has hair that has been washed in days, you subconsciously are like, oh, maybe they're not as competent as they really might be, right? Yeah. You don't know. 
So on a psychological level, it's really all about those first impressions, which is really important if you're trying to attract new clients. This is a fascinating element of this conversation because, I mean, especially in, say, the last four or five years, maybe a little bit longer, um, in many ways, it's been a good thing that our culture has shifted even more in a direction of let's put less emphasis on somebody's appearance. Let's mm-hmm. talk about the beauty of the inward individual, right? Who, who they exactly. are in the inside. And that's a wonderful thing. The big caveat is exactly what you were just describing, which is that regardless of that conversation and certainly the importance of the conversation, we still as human beings make snap judgments. It is literally built right. into us. Right. And I, I, you know, again, this is another part of the conversation. I don't think it's super popular, but people say, how, how can you judge somebody's character based on how they dress, for example? But there are some mm-hmm. very logical elements to that. I mean, if somebody actually has taken the time and, and put the intention and the resources into considering how they present themselves, there is a certain element of structure, right? That's mm-hmm. associated with that behavior, which can also be tied very logically to a certain level of discipline. And so naturally the associations made, at least to an extent, are actually quite accurate. When somebody's making that judgment, they can actually be quite accurate. Now I realize we, we can't necessarily make broad judgments across the board all the right. time. They're yeah. not necessarily always accurate, but in many, if not most cases, they actually can be. And so I, it's not a popular point of conversation. It's just a reality. And so the question is, how much do we want to acknowledge that, number one? And then how can we translate that to the way that ultimately we are presenting ourselves so that that first impression is actually a really, really good one? Um, right. I, yeah. I, so I love that, I love that you're, you're willing to get into that side of things. Now, when I think about, uh, again, the average photographer, and part of my apprehension when I was initially looking at your brand was, I'm thinking like the average photographer only has so many resources to throw into their business, right? And they're mm-hmm. already thinking about how can I put money into buying gear and maybe yeah. running a marketing right. campaign. The idea of then spending additional money for quote unquote fancy clothes or to, to hire a <laughs> right. consultant to help them buy fancy clothes, like that seems like such a stretch for a lot of photographers. But is it actually the reality that they have to spend the premium dollar in order to get to, to buy the clothing that will enable them to present themselves more effectively? Not necessarily. So, I mean, we get that question frequently too. It's like, oh, that's the second most asked question. Yeah. Yeah. Do I have to buy designer things, especially if I'm wanting to attract maybe more luxury client, if I'm wanting to charge maybe 10 K plus for a wedding and attract more luxury clientele, do I need to, you know, buy a $5,000 handbag? And our answer has always been no, like so much of it is more about one, how the clothes fit you and to how you look and how you present the fabric, the color, all that stuff. So your clients, if you get on a discovery call, you know, to potentially book a wedding client, they're not going to know if your blouse is designer, if it's Chanel or whatever. But if it is a good color, looks really good on you, it fits you well, you know, your whole physical appearance just looks styled and put together, you know, and is you know, the same as like your website, your website looks so good. And then they meet you and you look so put together and the expert, like they are so excited to then take the next step forward and trust you with capturing their session or their wedding or something. So we really always say you don't need to spend a ton of money on this. You just need to put more intention into what your ideal client values and making sure it fits you well, it looks good on you. Um, so yeah. 
that's our answer to that. <laughs> well, and, and we're going to kind of talk about three specific takeaways for our listeners, um, how they can take and apply this to their effort at presentation, especially when it comes to their clothing is just a second. But I'm, I'm curious about the, um, I don't know, I guess for lack of a better word, technical side of this conversation, you mentioned fit, which is interesting mm -hmm. to think about um, because the reality of course, is that in many cases, the less money that you spend on clothing, the, 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 uh, the worst the fit, I guess, for the sake of oh, exactly. your, yeah. your individual body type, whatever that might be. Um, so there's, there's fit. I'm sure there's a color element to this conversation mm -hmm. as well, but can you, are there other elements? What are kind of the major elements that somebody should be considering when they're looking at clothing for the sake of, again, better presenting themselves and their brand? Yeah. So you're spot on in that fit has always got to be kind of the primary concern. Um, just like just dressing up now after COVID stands you out in a crowd in the crowded marketplace, having clothes that fit you well is going to set you apart from most people just because especially in like in our American culture, we've gotten so used to wearing ill-fitting clothes. I don't think we even really notice it anymore, except when you walk past somebody, you're like, Oh, all that fit them really, really well. And so if you put in the time and the effort to find a piece of clothing that fits you perfectly. It doesn't need to be a designer piece of clothing, but it'll look much closer to one if it does fit you well. Um, and then you're spot on with colors that will depend kind of on the level of the clientele that you're trying to attract. Our kind of go-to is that if you are trying to break into that more luxury market, if you start with just kind of all neutrals, so like blacks and whites and shades of brown, and gray, if you stick with those, it's going to be much, much easier to look like you have an elevated aesthetic hmm. before trying to mix in some colors. Just It's very easy when you start playing with color. There's so many different shades of everything that it's pretty easy to fall outside of that elevated aesthetic when you start using color. But most anybody can look pretty elevated with a neutral color palette. So that's kind of like the training wheels example. Um, start there and you probably can't fall too far. Um, I, I love that. I love the phrase elevated aesthetic, like fall outside the elevated aesthetic, i.e. you're going to look pretty terrible if you make the wrong decision. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fancy and good, but yeah, I mean, keep it simple, right? Um, I know and we talked about my black t-shirt and there are certain intentions that I have behind wearing this, this particular shirt, but to your point too, it, it, it also, there's there's a kind of a classic sense to the color, right? I know that I'm not going to probably make a bad decision by wearing black or gray oh, or exactly. some comparable neutral color uh, because now I'm... And, and the last thing that I would even consider is that I'm in any way really aware of fashion per se. So I'm going to start <laughs> taking some major chances if I start trying to pick colors and match those with... So yes. I, I, I keep it simple, but um, if somebody is to venture outside of the black and the gray, they're like, oh, but I, I like color. I want to I want to go somewhere with this. Do you have one or two just quick tips that you can throw out there? Something that they should consider as they're considering colors that, that would fit them well? Yeah. So if you start venturing into color, I would say that anything in a kind of the blue range is going to be the next kind of baby step Safe towards... Bet. Yeah, the next safest bet for okay. sure. And, um, just about every kind of hair, skin, color, tone looks good in like a deep navy. That's like kind of a neutral 2.0. So that's kind of the next best thing to venture towards. Um, and then I would probably shy away from some of the 
more extreme bold colors, like a bright red or something like that, just because colors can have kind of an effect on the person that you're talking with. And so mm. neutrals kind of have this kind of like a chic aesthetic or communicate like calm. And if you're wearing like a deep blue, then people might be more likely to trust you. If you're wearing like a bold red, people are going to look at you and notice you. So if that's what you want, right. then yeah. if that's your end goal, that's yeah, right. then that's a great thing to use. But yeah, if you're photographing a wedding and you're a photographer and you are wanting to kind of just blend in and do your job, I probably wouldn't wear something bright red. That's like a stop sign and going to stand <laughs> in front of everybody. It's almost like if, you, if you're going to draw that kind of attention, you better put on a good show to go along with it or something. Exactly. Oh, exactly. No, the pressure gets amped up for sure. <laughs> yeah, up in the ante. Okay, so let's get super practical. I, one of my primary intentions with this podcast is practical, actionable takeaways for our listeners. So I, just on a very, very simple level, what are three things that our listeners, photographers, can do right now to elevate their client-facing outfit? We're going to use that word elevate again. We walk us through those and you're probably going to see me looking down. I'm going to take notes along with the listeners here. So <laughs> <laughs> go for it. Wonderful. Yes, of course. So the starting point, and when we work with clients, this is exactly where we start also, but you can do it for yourself, is to conduct a more in-depth ideal client analysis. So kind of go as deep as you can and create that ideal client in your mind and figure out even down to like, where are they taking vacations? What kind of car are they driving? Where do they live? What do they value? And those sorts of things. And as well as even doing some like Instagram stalking and figuring out what kind of brands are these people wearing okay, uh, and that sort of a thing. Cause that will give you a clearer window into what their values are. And like Willow was saying earlier, you don't need to wear designer everything in order to have this elevated aesthetic and to connect with your ideal client, but you can use it the other way and look at what brands your ideal client are wearing, because that's going to say something about them. Cause somebody that wears Chanel is going to be a little different than somebody that wears Versace. And so you'll see what they value based on that choice. So that's number one. That's where we always start. And that's kind of the differentiating factor between the personal stylist and the brand stylist starting ideal client. Okay. And then, Step number two would be to create three like fallback outfits based off of that. So, I mean, we've all had the experience of waking up in the morning, having absolutely zero inspiration for what to wear <laughs> for the day. And, but you have a meeting and you have to meet somebody or you're photographing a wedding that day and you have to do something. And so it's helpful to take the time when you do have a source of inspiration and take that ideal client analysis and create three outfits that are complete head to toe outfits that you can just keep in your closet and you can just pull them out of there and throw something on. And you know that it's kind of pre thought out and intentional and you're going to look like you put thought into your outfit, even though you didn't really want to that day. So that's kind of a little bit more of a training wheels approach as you kind of get going just to know sure. that you have something in there to fall okay. back on. Okay. And then that's number two. And then number three, I know we said you don't have to spend a ton of money to attract your ideal client, but if you are booking $10,000 weddings, if your clients really value wearing designer, having designer handbags and all these things, we do recommend maybe investing in like one statement piece. So not necessarily a blouse or a pair of pants, because really nobody knows where those come from except the person wearing them. 
but if you're a woman, you can carry a bag from a designer that you know your client really values, or you can wear a pair of shoes. So like bags and shoes and things like those where the branding's pretty conspicuous and pretty noticeable, that might be worth it to spend $2,000 on something that you can use for the next 10 decade and your client is going to recognize that you don't have to say anything but Mm -hmm. you set your on the table and all of a sudden he or she recognized like oh they're in this level they know what i value i trust them so then you kind of start building that the trust factor and the rapport that we kind of understand each other on some level and even if like i mean sometimes buying those luxury items feels so like that is just not my primary focus. You know, I'd so much rather spend that $2,000 on a new lens or a new camera yeah, box. Yeah. Like, when when, when Cameron just said $2,000, I like just this oh. internal yes. response was like 2000 I mean, I'll be quick to go spend gobs of money on a motorcycle, for example, because that's a right. priority. But yes. I, I think, and, and I would love, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Will. I, maybe you yeah. can kind of carry on and, and speak on this, but it seems like this is my initial response has nothing to do with what matters to the client. Right. And again, photographers have become so kind of, I mean, this is a harsh way to put it, but self-centered it's, it's so much is about them and how they feel and what they want and how their images should look for the sake of other photographers. And it's, it's takes away from the experience that we're providing for the client, the impact that we're making on the client. So Mm -hmm. even though my initial response is $2,000 for clothing, (laughs) like what in the world? Right. That is really irrelevant if it means that for the sake of my brand in making an investment to make an impact on the clients that mm-hmm. I'm working with or to be able to even just relate to the clients that I'm working with, that's actually what matters. That's what I should be considering. Can you speak to that a little bit about the prioritization of the client versus how I feel? Yes. No, exactly. I mean, it's hard, especially if you don't value those clothes or that level, you know, you're like, well, I don't want to spend my hard earned money on this. It's so much rather do on something else. And that's totally fine. We have always said, you know, if you find this disconnect where you're trying to attract a client who maybe values, you know, these outward appearance things that you just personally don't value, it's okay. Like Cam said, keep it to like your three outfits and maybe really invest in those three. And it's helpful for you just to have like a cap on that. Once I cover those three, I'm fine. I don't need to spend any more money on it. Or, you know, we found really great um, success with consignment options like the Real Real or Vistere Collective, places that you can get items that have that noticeable visual look that people interested in this will recognize for, you know, half to a third of the price, which is great if you don't really care, right? You're not going for the whole experience of buying this luxury good. Um, So places like that, there's... There's options like Rent the Runway where you can rent it for a day or um, even if you don't go for name brand, let's say you're like, you know, I just don't, I can't get over it. I don't want to spend money on an Hermes leather bag. You know, just make sure that your bag that day, maybe that you're carrying is a really nice, it's a smooth leather and it looks high quality and it looks, it's in a nice black or a nice dark brown and it, and it has that same aesthetic as a luxury good. You know, that's so much about what it is. It's just the, the presentation of that item and it looks, it looks good. It looks high quality. It doesn't need to cost $2,000. Okay. Yeah. Well, and and to be clear, I don't want to suggest that we shouldn't make that investment. I was just speaking to probably (laughs) a very comparable response to a lot of our listeners, which is like, what? <laughs> right, right. mind blown. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But but I'm totally open to the idea. I think it's very interesting to consider. Uh, and I will say that I worked with. I mean, we were shooting 
weddings for seven to ten thousand dollars on average uh, myself and my business partner toward the end of my my wedding photography career and i mean i know that that bringing that that level of presentation to that clientele had we been more intentional about that it's it's interesting to consider the the further impact that we may have made um had we actually prioritized that and and i didn't at the time and i, I think maybe i was just i lacked the awareness right um, but it's yeah. interesting to consider the impact that we could have made that way. I am curious though. So as you're talking uh, about this kind of spend on, on clothing and ultimately personal presentation, I liken it in, in many ways, I think, to the watch world. I'm, I'm a little bit of a hobbyist, if you will, um, when it comes to watches. But I, I'm not like when I hear these these people talking about spending, you know, anywhere from fifty thousand to five hundred thousand dollars on on a watch. Yes, it, it, it's just it, again, mind is kind of blown. I'm like, how it, it, if I can tell time? Like that's really what I care about. <laughs> and, you know, I'm super practical in that way in many cases. But I, I have to ask you though, because I know a lot of that is just kind of guilty pleasure, right? So, but I would love for you all both to share individually what like brand uh, or maybe even a piece of clothing or a bag or something that is your guilty pleasure. Oh. Okay. Um, I'll yeah, start. Yeah, you start. Okay. And Nathan, I'm definitely a watch hobbyist as well, so we could have a whole okay. different conversation on that topic. Okay. Uh, but uh, my guilty pleasure is definitely Brunello Cuccinelli for menswear. I have to say I do not own anything from the yet because... I, I like that Willow's I, laughing, by the way. Is, is that like yeah. is that inside <laughs> joke of some kind? No, <laughs> oh, no it's just insanely a, expensive. Okay, okay. That's a common, like, he's like, oh, this looks so good. Do you see how the lapels are laying on this, you know, jacket? <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, so we uh, we took a trip to San Francisco at Union Square, and so they had a Brunello Cuccinelli boutique there, and it was just like Disneyland to me. I just felt like I was in Italy and just in his living room, just seeing all the things he was making. So that's definitely like who I kind of admire the okay. most. The budget-friendly option is Polo Ralph Lauren. I love Ralph also. Okay. And he's a more attainable. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. All right, yeah. Willie, your turn. For me, I mean, I'm a big shoe person, so I my guilty pleasure is Manolo Blahnik shoes because I find them to be like the most comfortable heel sure. that I've honestly ever worn, and I can wear really? them to a wedding. And I, yeah, I mean, I okay. don't wear I I could not wear them when I sh when I photographed weddings because you know honestly liability and heels. But um, <laughs> if I'm a guest at a wedding or something, I find them you know like the three inch. They're actually very comfortable. Can handle it for several hours. So I'm sold. All right. So we're going to, for anybody, a lot of people, I mean, the, the shoe conversation may be a little more relatable. I don't know if I had heard of the other clothing brand before Cameron. So, um, for anybody who's not familiar, we'll link to, um, those brands <laughs> in the show notes for, uh, at bocapodcast.com. Uh, no, I, I honestly, I love this. I think it's very interesting. And in fact, despite my disconnect from, from the clothing world and even a lot of the watch world, I mean, I, I can, I could recognize a brand here and there, but I also find it very interesting to kind of dig into an individual craft um, and an interest that I'm not familiar with. And so I can imagine going into a store like that would just be fascinating, especially if you could guide me around, Cameron. I think that the, that would probably be a little bit helpful. But I, I want to just jump back really quick here as we're finishing up to to these three primary points that you made. So you, you talked about first con conducting a client analysis. And there is a lot of conversation about referencing Instagram and social media ultimately for client behavior. Do you recommend any, I mean, should we be paying attention to what clients are wearing, even in client meetings, if we have the opportunity, Zoom calls, like how, how far should we go with this so-called analysis? 
I mean, sorry, go for it. This is your point. <laughs> um, yeah, so definitely pay attention to what somebody shows up to a meeting wearing. Um, I think there's maybe a slight caveat kind of just in the state of our culture, like we've been talking about multiple times, and that what somebody's going to wear on any given Tuesday is going to be much different maybe than what's going to show up on their grid for Instagram. And I think you kind of want to move more towards what they're going to be valuing on Instagram just because that's probably what mm. they value the most. Yeah, it makes and sense. So, um, and that's probably client specific, but I would say that's more than likely that's the best case scenario is that people will put more effort and uh, more intention behind what they're going to be posting on Instagram. So that probably is going to be the best of the best that they have to offer. So that's probably what you want to be bringing and connecting with them on as well. That's really cool. I hadn't thought of it that way, but that totally makes sense. Okay. And then when we talk about creating the three fallback outfits, maybe Willow, will you walk us through what that looks like for you? Like, how do you go into your closet and kind of a mix and match and, and pick what it is that you want for those three outfits? Yeah. So this is like Cam's specialty. I honestly have him do okay. this for me. Okay. So, but I'll tell you, cause he's tried to teach me a million times, but okay. he always says, you know, start with a base, you know, for me, that's often, I have this Navy cashmere sweater that I love. It's comfy. It looks great. Um, and so he's like, start with a base, start with this item that you really want to wear that, you know, you like feel comfortable in and then just build from there. So then let's go ahead and pick out like your pants that are going to go with that and then we'll layer. So we're a big believer in layers. Layers often make you look more, you know, intentional and put together. Interesting. But okay. Yeah. The more you add to like three things on it, like Cam right here, he's got like the jacket, the tie, the shirt, and then the pocket square. And so there's a multiple elements there and it just, as a viewer, it looks super intentional. Like, Oh, you put this all together. So as a female, you know, that can go sweater, it can go jacket, it can go scarf, you know, obviously that's great for cooler weather. If you're working with warmer weather clients like, or climates like the South, it might be like, you know, a neck scarf and a tank top blouse or something to let the air flow a little bit. But <laughs> yeah, um, we did live in Texas for two years, so we completely understand oh, yeah. the predicament of dressing for summer in the South. Yes. So it, it does get trickier there. It does. I just, I was in um, Minneapolis over the weekend just for a couple of nights and man, it was so the evening, 60, 65 degrees, oh, gorgeous. Yes. Yes. And I got back in last night to, to Chattanooga, flew in and walked outside and that humidity just like <laughs> practically knocked me over. It's brutal at times for sure. So you yes. do have to kind of adjust accordingly. Yes. yes. So uh, if you're in the South, wear a lot of linen. Linen yes. helps. Linen helps. Really? Okay. All right. Anything that breathes, it'll stay off your skin. That's where it's seersuckers a thing in the South is it's cotton that stays away from your skin as much as possible. You know, I had a, I had kind of a go-to, it was a, I did wear a lot of black when I was photographing uh, as yeah. well. Yeah, it's and, a great go-to. Well, and, and but a lot, honestly, maybe it's kind of gross, but like the, the main reason I did it was because it hit, it helped hide the sweat. Hide I just sweat. sweat a lot, yes, right? exactly. So, but I would, I would wear a layer underneath and I'd wear this, this, um, uh, button down on top and it was I want to say it was a combination of of linen and I think it may have had a bit of nylon in it as well it was a really yeah. light a moisture wicking material um, that was comfortable but also had at least a certain level of kind of a dressy element to it and it worked out really yeah. really well and, and I loved it so much in fact that I like of course I wanted to buy a second and a third one right. and it was hard to go and find it I think I think I ended up buy, having to buy something different but it, looking for 
clothing that has, especially for those that are in the warmer weather that has linen in it, that's, you're saying something that will kind of help breathe more. Yeah. So, I mean, anytime you're kind of in that climate where you want to look like you're getting dressed, you're not just wearing like flip flops and shorts and a t-shirt all the time. Um, if you have something to go to where you need to dress up past that, then yeah, you can get, I mean, for guys, you can get linen trousers for women, linen pants are probably even easier to find. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely it's around. So find something with linen and it'll breathe a lot better, especially than any synthetic fabrics. So cotton and best after linen. Um, but anything that is like poly or something with plastic in it, it is really good at drying quickly, Mm. but really terrible at breathing. So it's going to make you sweat a lot. It'll just dry quickly. Interesting. Okay. It also can hold on to any odor. Yeah. With any kind of poly fabric like that. So that's just something. If you're going to wear something like that, make sure you're spraying on the cologne real heavy if you're going to be sweating a lot. That's really interesting, though. I love it. I love just the practical nature of that that element of the conversation. I mean, it it sounds kind of nerdy and technical, but yeah, and especially when it translates to something like that, that's that's kind of a big deal. I I know we didn't even intend to talk about this, but do you all have a favorite cologne and perfume that you wear? Oh, yeah. I mean, my go-to for a while has been Ralph Lauren's Romance like my my favorite scent but and i'm a big believer in layering scents and so <laughs> i just got the polo has like the red blue black yeah. and green yeah got the small versions of all of them and i just mix them depending on the day so like really? red and black together is probably my favorite yeah i know it's yeah he likes to make his own little combinations with i mean I, the, the little bit that i know you so far cameron it doesn't surprise me but but, I, but but also like that's a bit gutsy move too to to start trying to mix those smells that were already crafted individually very intentionally with layers in some right. cases. But um, yeah. do you how do you make those choices so that they don't ultimately? I mean, it, thinking about mixing some of those smells together, it could go really really badly. <laughs> yeah, no, it is uh, definitely a trial and error process. Yeah, so, it's risky. So that's yeah. just something to recognize. Most of the time, the first time I try. A combination is just something when I'm staying at home. And so Willow kind of just has to deal with it. But she's the only one that notices if I messed up. But, you just um, see her across the room just kind of look up like and start yeah, shaking her head. Exactly. I'm like, oh, what's this one? But I think a good way to start is like so I the easiest ones to mix are like the polo ones because they all kind of came from more or less like the same family of sense and so they're not too different from each other and so they layer okay. very simply on top of each other um it gets a little bit trickier when you like mix from different brands and everything but it kind of comes down to i mean when you think about it all colognes and perfumes are layers of multiple sure. multiple scents and sure. so you have a little bit of creativity and gumption to not worry about failing on it Go for it. <laughs> I think back to my high school days when I was I was kind of obsessed with cologne for whatever reason. I have no idea why. Yes. And I didn't have the money back then to go buy really fancy stuff. So I just go buy it and I but I go to the store and I'm, you know, spraying this one and I spray this yes, one. Yes, all the testers. Yeah. And then you walk out and you've got all these different smells on you. And I can only who knows what people were. I have to say, like this is one area where I've spent and, and I know it's not even that much money in comparison to some of what we talked about, but I just um, not too long ago bought a, I think it was like $250 bottle of Tom Ford's yeah. Leather Ombre oh, is the, yeah. the cologne. Tom Ford makes good stuff. And oh my goodness, I, I mean, I, 
I kind of cringe when I push the button to buy it because I again the idea of spending that much money on something like this to me just felt like very over the top. But I have to say, I mean, the of course the amount of oils in the the parfum is is quite significant in comparison to some of the cheaper stuff. So the longevity yes. of it. But I just absolutely love the smell, and it's like my one kind of again guilty pleasure. That's where I'm going to spend my money. That's I I, I like it a lot. So I'll throw yes, that out there for anybody no. who's curious. No, that is a great thing to spend a little bit extra money on because you're totally right. The concentration is very different. Um, and so the staying power of that Tom Ford cologne is going to stick with you all day, whereas a $30 bottle won't. Um, my only little bit of advice for you, Nathan, is to mix in something else every few days, a different scent, if you have hmm. anything else. Okay. Because that way, our, all our senses and our bodies are like trained to notice difference. And so if you throw in something different every now and then, you will smell your favorite Tom Ford cologne much yeah. longer because like we've noticed Willow's worn romance since like high school. And so I can't smell now it she anymore. can't smell it anymore. It's so sad. <laughs> really? Okay. I know my nose is like immune to it. Everyone else is like, oh, you smell great. I'm like, I'm so glad you can enjoy it for me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the mixing something else in gives your nose a break and then you notice it when it's That's different. a great idea. Okay, cool. Noted. I'm going to go shopping for cologne later today now. So I just <laughs> give me an excuse and that'll be fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> last, last quick question for you. Um, when we talked about, you talked about the idea of an investment piece and I mean, we could easily spend thousands of dollars on any, any type of clothing, right? Um, at tops, bottoms, bags, shoes, et cetera. But where do you think the biggest impact is? If somebody's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give this a shot. I'm going to make the investment. What would be the most impactful investment piece, would you say? Uh, we would say probably either shoes or bags. So depends on what, what you're doing this outfit for. If this is your day of shooting a wedding outfit, then maybe it might be the bag because you might have that strapped on to you the most. If it's um, an outfit that you're going to be in an in-person meeting, maybe you want to do shoes. But those are the two areas that we would say are worth investing in. Usually they're the most notable if you are trying to go for brand recognition with them. Um, and often they, you can just tell quality most often with shoes hmm. and bags because okay. they get a lot of wear. You're setting them down. They're walking on the ground. They're getting, you know, torn up on asphalt. Um, and so you'll, you'll be able to recognize the difference in a quality piece that you've worn 20 times. Cause often we're just like everyone else. Once we find a piece, we just, that we love, we want to hold on to it. And yeah. that's go to, you know, so, um, investing in those will make them last longer for you and are usually worthwhile. Okay. So like 30 second answer each throw out your, your favorite. <laughs> I, I don't even know what the, the correct term is at this point. And, and I don't even know if they're as popular anymore for guys buying bags. I mean, they used to call them man bags, but, um, I, I don't, so tell me what the correct term is, but throw out, if you will, each of you, uh, your go-to bag brand and your go-to shoe brand, if you don't mind. Oh, okay. Let's see. I would say go-to bag. So I have to confess as a guy, I don't carry a bag. I think it's, it's definitely in that in-between phase where it's definitely okay, but it's still a, a newer thing. So you kind okay. of have to be a little gutsier, maybe gutsier than I am to, to pull okay. one off. I was definitely looking, Gucci has like a, I think it's called like the 1955 horse bit or something, which is like a small camera bag. That could be cool. Or uh, Giorgio Armani has a lot of good men's bags. And then uh, for shoes, for guys, I'll go with Alden. Alden, really? Okay. Interesting. 
They make right, well, super quality shoes out of the Northeast. Really interesting. nice. Yeah. I would not have guessed that. Okay, that's that's really cool. All right, how about you, Will? <laughs> for me, for bags, I'm the same as Cam. The Giorgio Armani ones, we tend to love just because their branding is extremely minimal. You hardly notice it, and they're just like extremely beautiful, smooth leather. Just looks so clean and classy. Um, for shoes, for me, I've said for heels, Manolo Blahnik. Um, if I'm doing a comfier or, you know, a lower heel or something, Chanel has some great like slingbacks. Um, they have them in like a two inch platform or a low flat if you're like heels aren't my thing at all. Um, and they stay on really well. So those are kind of our go-tos, but. Love it. This is fun. <laughs> we recognize that everyone has different tastes and that might not be everyone's cup of tea. Oh, sure, sure. But I think I think a lot of people probably don't know even where to start. Like if they're, again, thinking about right. an investment, normally we're buying clothes and just kind of trying to work within a budget and, and save some money. So the idea of now going and spending way more than we're used to, many of us, myself right. included, don't know where to even start, right? So just having right. a, a starting place is really helpful and I appreciate you sharing that. Okay, before we finish up here, do me a favor, if you will. This has been a really fun conversation and very practical too, so I, I appreciate that. Share a little bit about the service that you all offer. The, uh, the, the word consulting comes to mind. Is that how you all label yourselves, a, a clothing consultant? Yeah. Or what, what's the best way to describe it? Yeah, no, that's, that's a perfect way to describe it. Because at this point, a lot of what we do on this uh, branding styling side is consulting. It's one-to-one. Okay. Um, and so the most common way that we serve creative business owners is through styling them for branding sessions just because... Um, like you're saying, there's there's a lot of roadblocks to convincing somebody to put the time and the energy into this. Whereas if you have booked a branding session and you realize, oh, these photos are going to be on my website, I'm going to share them on my socials, they're going to be kind of my first handshake introduction with any potential clients, then it makes a lot more sense to continue the investment and work with somebody to make sure that you kind of do the most to make the most out of that opportunity and then on the other side of things, we also uh, Willow created a style guide for photographers that helps them provide value to their clients to tell their clients what to show up wearing to their photo sessions. Okay, yeah, cool. so we kind of hit it twofold there. You know, we have a lot of photographers coming to us like, what do I wear? And then they come to us and they're like, okay, so I'm dialed, but my clients are still showing up in jeans. And that's not, you know, the portfolio building outfit that I want. How do I change that? So <laughs> Where do I that's go? why we made the style guide for them to share with their clients. Okay, perfect. Well, do me a favor then. Um, remind our listeners where they can find you guys online so that they can learn more about certainly your brand, but also about how they can reach out and, and take advantage of your services as well. Yeah, wonderful. So you can find all our offers and a blog free content at refinedelevation.com. And then you can follow along with us uh, daily on Instagram at refined. Perfect. Good. We've, we're going to actually link to all of that in the show notes to at bocapodcast.com. This has been super fun, guys. It, it's like Truly, it's fun to meet you, fun to talk about this and kind of learn something that I didn't know. Um, and certainly for our <laughs> listeners' sake, too, I really appreciate you sharing with all of us. We'll make sure to put all the show notes, the links in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Thank you again, both for making time for all of us. Thank, no, thank you. you. This was a blast, Nathan. I appreciate it. So fun.